Welcome to Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Here is your host, David Ponraj, founder and CEO of Economic Impact Catalyst. Tina Metzer, welcome to Breaking Down Barriers. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, tell us a little bit about you and your current organization. Thank you, David, for having me here today. My name is Tina Metzer. I'm co-founder of Roll Rise and also co-founder of National Center for Resource Development. And as you can tell by the title of Roll Rise, I'm extremely interested in rural, whether it's rural entrepreneurship, rural broadband, uh, rural way of life, just a way to focus on rural communities and remote communities across the world and really in the United States as well. And this is not just entrepreneurship, correct? This is anything to do with rural community development. Absolutely. So to give you a little bit of history about Rural Rise, we started a few years ago. It was uh, Joe Cap, who is my partner and co-founder of both Rural Rise, as well as co-founder of National Center for Resource Development and president of that organization, along with Nathan Oley, who at that time was executive director of RCAP and has now moved on to IADC and is extremely still involved with Rural Rise, along with some other partner organizations as Appalachian Regional Commission, Network Kansas. We kind of were all speaking and we thought, wow, there are a lot of great things happening in rural communities everywhere across the country. Whether it's a small town in Kentucky or a small town in Kansas, there's great things happening. But we also noticed a few other things. There are a lot of challenges in rural communities. And a lot of those people are working on very strict budgets, whether it's working with entrepreneurship, uh, working with broadband, whatever it may be in rural communities, people are on budgets like, as they are everywhere. I mean, that's true for urban or rural. But in rural communities, they're on you know tight budgets, limited staffing, limited resources. And we're like, why can't we share some of those resources? I may have or know of a great program in West Virginia that someone in Utah could maybe not use the entire program, but they could use portions of that program. And if I were to be available for a resource, they could call and say, hey, you know, we're starting down this road. What challenges did you come up against? And hopefully, in theory, that saves them some time, money, and effort and getting a workable resource. So that's really how Rural Rise started that journey a few years ago, is to help rural entrepreneurship builders and rural communities. And it's extremely important um, that we learn from each other, learn from our mistakes, from our challenges, and, and move rural forward. And so that's really kind of how it started. We started in uh, our first uh, conference was in West Virginia, and I'm originally from West Virginia. So I, I am a uh, perfect example of what happens a lot in rural communities. I lived, I grew up in, in West Virginia. I went away for college and then I stayed away. I moved to Baltimore, DC area. Happens all the time. It's, it's a very familiar story in rural communities. Uh, and I also came back, which is also a very familiar story in rural communities. You come back to your roots. You come back, whether it's because of family, you have parents, or you come back, you're like, okay, I've, I've done the urban thing. I want to come back. I really miss that, that urban small town life, that rural small town life. So we came back. Our first conference was in rural West Virginia. And it's very important because a lot of people 
they talk about rural, but you don't really understand what it's like to live in a rural community until you live in a rural community. And then, you know, oh, oh, there's no broadband. Okay, uh, my hospital is an hour away. Uh, I don't have cell phone service. I, I have to drive, you know, a half hour, 45 minutes. So all of those things, which many people take for granted in rural communities, it's not there. So we specifically as a team decided, hey, we're going to take everyone to Davis, West Virginia. So it was uh, very good because it was two hours from DC, two and a half hours. So it was not that far. And we had, you know, and, and we gave people warning like, hey, you know, for the last hour, you may not have cell phone service. And people are like, what? what? We can't do that. I'm like, well, those people living there, they don't have cell phone service. So those small businesses, they have a struggle getting, you know, get it going online. They have a struggle making calls. People that have an emergency have struggles, you know, calling for, for assistance. So we really wanted to really highlight that rural community. So we, that was our first year. Second year, we went to Pine Bluff, Arkansas, which was an up and coming Main Street community. Worked with Mildred and her team. I know you were there for that. And it was an absolute. Yes. It was great. And we it was really uh, and I don't know what you felt like, but it was really a time for people in rural communities to kind of get together. And this is the beauty of Rural Rise. Like we all get together. We share what's working. We share our frustrations and, you know, what is great and, and why we're doing what we do. Why, you know, most people there, I would say all the people there have a passion for rural. That's what they do. And that's what makes I think Rural Rise so unique is, is that we try to amplify everything that is great and wonderful about rural and move it forward. So now that's yeah, kind of a long history. But <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's amazing. I'll ask you your personal history. So uh, you talked about leaving and coming back, mm -hmm. but doing this work, right? You could be doing anything. Why are you passionate about supporting rural entrepreneurship? Other than the fact that it's personal, but why this work versus, you know, working through policy or working through different ways to advocate for rural? Why is this work meaningful to you? Is this something your parents did? Is this something you saw growing up? What, what is your story for why you're in this work? Right. Uh, well, to start way back, I went to school, got my master's in human resources. And again, like many people, I'm like, oh, it's a great field. Maybe not for me. So I have always uh, been interested in entrepreneurship. And one thing in rural communities, you will find a lot of people are entrepreneurs, even though they don't call themselves entrepreneurs. They're small businesses. You know, they're excavators. They're contractors. They're doing it. So my family, I always grew up with my parents working a small business. That's just what we did. And it wasn't that we were entrepreneurs. It, that term was never used. It was the way of life. This is what we did. And so when I moved back, I actually started my own small business. I have another passion, uh, books, lots of books. So as I was starting my family, um, I also started selling books online. So I kept, always kept that entrepreneurship uh, kind of uh excitement that it, you know there is a way for me to make a living even though I'm here in a very small town um, and along the way a few years ago uh, like seven to ten years ago I met Joe Cap uh, and he was working he's an amazing guy I know you know him very well serial entrepreneur um, amazing outgoing extremely knowledgeable about entrepreneurship 
And he had a home in West Virginia. So we started working together with our local community at Technical College and doing a lot of programs around regional entrepreneurship and, and kind of working together. And that's where the kind of the passion started for me that I'm like, you know, there is a really a real need for people work to work in rural entrepreneurship or to really work in rural broadband uh, and to work in getting those for people to understand whether it's the policymakers in DC or whatever it may be that there's not a one size fits all for rural communities. We're all very different and you can't just make a, a, a blanket policy and say this will work or you can't very importantly come into a rural community or state or region and say, okay, this is what's going to work. It really is amplifying the voices of rural, rural communities. And that's why I think I got such a passion is because, okay, the, we're not all the same. We're all very different, whether it's geography, uh, industry, or whatever it may be. And, you know, we're, it's such a huge tapestry of people in rural America and no one realizes it. It's this generic concept and, and not by everyone, but by so many people that this is rural America where, you know, we're all, farming and which is agriculture is extremely important part of it it's true but it's not all of rural america we're doing amazing things in rural america and and agriculture is a, is part of that amazing things but i think that's where the passion came about is to kind of give a voice to rural and also not only to give a voice but to help people understand just that that essential issue that we're not all the same and I think that happens a lot. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about some of the stories uh, of the work that's happened in the last seven years that have kind of moved the needle, uh, whether around broadband, uh, just getting uh, showing you know the problems and getting advocacy at the state or regional level. Can you tell us a few success stories of, of how you've helped uh, change the rural landscape? Sure. Uh, well, as we said, as I said, we were working with a small uh, community college, which had a very, very entrepreneurial president, which ex community colleges are a great, great resources in rural communities. And, and most of the time in rural communities, you know, a, a community college is two hours away and it is really a great resource. And many of those people, many of the community colleges do work with entrepreneurship as you work with NACI that's a, you know Becky and that organization is absolutely a great organization so we worked kind of on the basis with that Eastern uh, West Virginia Community Technical College we start and I'll start with one of our failures I mean uh, we, you know we started Joe and I and and <laughs> we always joke and I'm a vegetarian so like I'll put that up I'm a vegetarian Joe is you know very urban but he came into West Virginia we're like oh we're going to we're going to help the farmers in, in West Virginia. That's what we're going to do. Turned out to be a very successful program, but you know, we started like, we'll open this um, incubator on Main Street. That was not a smart move, just, and it may work in other communities, absolutely may work in other communities. For us, it didn't that well, because we found out, you know what farmers are doing? They're working in the fields, they're working, they're doing things. They don't have time to come in and chat with us. They don't have time for all of those things. So a lesson very early that we learned. Uh, but what we did is we partnered with a lot of great organizations across West Virginia, include, including uh, Bill Woodrum with RCBI. He has now since moved on with Minimum Foundation. Um, 
a lot of great organizations in the West Virginia education, and we started working with the young people with the agriculture and saying, hey, entrepreneurship is an idea. It is a possibility. And farming isn't boring. And there's a great way to make a profit. And that innovation and technology is an important part. So we had several like ag tech showcases just highlighting how like drone technology can assist, how different uh, way you, you know, uh, test your fields, different things that really made entrepreneurship and agriculture go hand in hand. And made, and those programs are still ongoing. And we did student um, competitions. So all of those things just kind of focus on a different way to look at a business, a new way to profit or to get excitement in in agriculture. And a lot of that is key is with the young people. And I know you've worked also with a lot of different youth programs. Um, the other thing we found, and we see this a lot in different communities, and we've worked with whether it's biochar, sustainable aviation fuel, tourism, any of those things. It's very important to kind of get your stakeholders together, and and those stakeholders can be very varied. Um, for example, tourism. And a lot of people, COVID has changed the world. So this was pre-COVID when we were doing this. And COVID has definitely changed the world, as we as we all know. But, you know, pre-COVID, we, we really worked to get that regional collaboration for tourism uh, in many different states, especially in our area, with, you know, a visitor will come and stay longer if they have more things to do. And why would they have more things to do if you have a restaurant, I have a kayaking business, someone else have another business, and the way we all work together to promote each other. So again, it kind of goes back to that work, we're stronger together, I use that and it's kind of cliche, but it, it's true in rural communities. I mean, that is one of the ways for tourism, especially for that creative economy, is to bring in more visitors, uh, is to give the give visitors a week long stay. I can stay here with my family for a week. I have lots to do. And what that is, is it brings dollars into the community. It increases and more entrepreneurs spring up because they're like, oh, I can do a restaurant. I can do be an outfitter and things like that. And again, as you know, COVID has completely changed kind of that tourism thing, especially the outdoor rec. And it's extremely in the spotlight now with more people uh, being involved. So, Let's talk a little bit about Rural Rise. And you, okay. know, you talked about starting in 2018. Can you tell us a little bit about the conference itself? Uh, I had I have stories from Rural Rise. Uh, so okay. I told my story. <laughs> yes. Uh, and this is what made me uh, really fall in love with Rural Rise. So okay. I came to Pine Bluff. I um, flew in to, um, uh, let me get this, uh, to Little Rock. I flew into Little Rock. And then I took an Uber. It was an hour-long Uber. <laughs> I had been traveling continuously. I was in Denver, and then I was in Madison, Wisconsin, and then I was in Rural Rise like that same week. So I hadn't like done a lot of planning with like you know uh, getting renting a car or whatever. So I just got to the airport. I and around the country, it's always you gotta get to, like. And I've traveled around the world for a living, so I've right. traveled <laughs> to every big city. I've traveled to Paris. I've traveled to Dubai. Shanghai, every big city, and I'll get out of the airport, I'll get an Uber, and I'll go there. And irrespective of the country, Uber works in all of these uh, places. So I get to 
to the little rock i get out of the airport i get an uber didn't think twice about it it's like a 100 miles but the uber takes me there oh my god <laughs> i didn't even think about it like i was like that's the thing you do i didn't even know i was traveling this far from the airport to pine bluff get there amazing conference i saw I, the governor i think had come to make mm-hmm. a remark as well in the conference uh and uh and it was so much so much energy i saw so many of the people that i work with around the country at the conference and i was like wow you know this is where i'm supposed to be and then uh later that evening i was going to leave and so i go back to uber and i'm looking for uh, uh cars there are no cars i'm like what does this mean i'll go to lift there's no lift so then i walk to the conference center and i say ask the director there you know the the uber there is an uber but it's not working he's like yeah we just have one uber driver and he's off today like they even know who that uber driver is and he's off today he's like but no big deal he's like give me 5 minutes and then the actual conference center director drives me in his car oh, wow <laughs> to the airport for free no charge nothing oh and we're a small community that's what we do if somebody needs to go to the airport one of us are taking them to the airport that's how we live right and oh, that's, that's the right. beauty of rural like to see it first hand right like everybody's got everybody else's back and everybody is taking care of each other and they know everybody else and you know we all have the same challenges and we're banding together and we're very resourceful like mm-hmm. if there is a nuber we're not letting you miss the flight we're taking you to the airport like you know that that really like stuck a chord with me because you would not find that in new york city i'd be standing in that conference center for a half hour <laughs> and then like miss my flight not in pine bluff right in pine bluff somebody's like you know getting you in a car and just taking you and they don't even know you they've never they've met you for the first time there right that's so. a great story because that is a perfect example of like the difference in rural life cuz yeah there are very most small towns they do not have an uber driver or if you do yeah you know that person <laughs> doing but most, yeah. most people don't even have one so yeah. it, it is yeah. a different world it is totally different uh so that yeah. that's a great story it highlights uh the difference yeah so yeah so tell me about this conference and tell me like for the listeners why this conference is relevant to them and if uh there's somebody that's working with rural communities or passionate about a specific topic why they should uh come to this conference could you kind of just uh peel back the layers a little bit and tell us what an experience would look like sure absolutely so we are traveling to Emporia Kansas uh this year so we're super excited uh as with everyone else we had to delay our in person conferences over and over again because of covid so we're finally excited to come to Emporia Kansas um and they are a main street community that's really up and coming they have a lot of great examples of what is working in main street communities so we're super excited to be there um and if people do not want to come to rural you know in person that's fine as well we have a virtual option um what we're doing with rural is the same we usually do with rural is we're bringing in those organizations that are working in rural um and hopefully I'll miss anyone but we have uh the USDA we have rural lisk uh cory hartland forward all of those organizations that are on the ground and of course david you and your group as well uh that are on the ground working that have programs and we want to share those resources with the attendees have people ask questions so it's going to be all around we have um also uh the ewing coffin foundation Joe Gans is going to be leading a panel discussion kind of around that rural prosperity book. Um so 
everything is going to be kind of, we're going to have a present, I'll say presentation, but we want it to be very interactive. So a topic, someone's going to speak, we're going to have time for questions and answers. So if you have, if they have a resource, you have a question, it's time to ask that question. And then we're going to have tabletop discussions. And we really want to capture, okay, this was a program they were talking about. We have something similar in our town or our state. Here's what we're doing. Here are the challenges. Here's what we think we can do better. And we're going to capture those tabletop discussions and really kind of promote those out and send those out to people so that people leave with not only new friendships, hopefully, uh, new resources. Uh, new partners, but also a way to kind of look back at, on, on those resources and make those connections. So as you know, and you kind of felt it with the rural rise and pre-COVID, it's really all about kind of making those connections. And, and we will have a virtual option. So we understand completely if you cannot travel, we will have a virtual option. So people will be able to, to join us and we, we will welcome that as well. So extremely, it's going to be from the 28th in the afternoon until the 30th and we end at noon. Yeah. And I would second that, you know, the content is going to be amazing. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Dell Gaines. Absolutely. Uh, He's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yes. Amazing speaker. And I also love those quick pitches that allow us to hear about all the different ideas that people have and, and still gives everybody a chance to kind of have uh, a way to, you know, uh, share uh, in a wider uh, space their ideas. Uh, the, both of those events kind of, you know, uh, stand out to me. And of course, I love the networking. You know, one of the things that I've seen coming out of COVID in a lot of conferences is that you're really there for the network. Right, like you can get the content even after the event through a recording or whatever, but you can't get the network and you can't get the people. And I'm excited to see a lot of them uh, for the first time uh, after COVID. So Dell, I'll be seeing him for the first time uh, in in two years. And last time I saw him was the, at the eShip conference in Kansas City uh, uh, when he was doing a fireside chat right. uh, main stage. Uh, <laughs> and so, yeah. So the other thing we're going to mention, I would like to mention, is the broadband component. So we will, we have uh, Rural Rise Tech, which is also a nonprofit, and we're going to be releasing a, a broadband paper, kind of like a white paper around those resources and what it involves to deploy affordable broadband in rural communities. So we're going to highlight a little bit of the broadband, uh, not completely, that's going to be the conference, but there's going to be opportunities to speak around the broadband issues as well, because that is an underlying with every facet of community rural life, uh, whether it's entrepreneurship, health, education. We all know that, especially since COVID, it, it struck home that how essential broadband is for rural communities. Yeah. And the the whole uh, kind of telecommuting. Yeah. So this uh, you know allows if you have broadband access, it opens up rural communities for people to be able to actually come and live and enjoy the communities, but still be able to kind of, you know, work remotely. And I've seen some communities already, especially around like urban cities, the people who live in Atlanta actually go to like uh, rural Georgia. Mm -hmm and work in rural Georgia. And those economic developers are now thinking about what does it take to kind of resource uh, those types of resources, right? Because they're going to live and spend in those communities, mm -hmm. even though they're uh, earning a paycheck from a city like Atlanta. Uh, yeah. And it's a real impact to economic developers, right? In terms of dollars and cents, it makes a difference to the communities uh, when people move in uh, for this work. 
Oh, absolutely. And the broadband issue is important for economic development, not just for entrepreneurship, but to attract other industries as well. Quality of life. You know, you can have a great community, but people do need to work and live uh, in those communities. And broadband is a, an important part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the word, by the way, it's a digital nomad. So, okay, I've not heard that one. This yeah, one. yeah. So that's the thing now, where uh, especially millennials and Gen Zs mm -hmm. uh, work where they love the quality of life, which you know in rural communities the quality of life is so great: clean air, you know, easy access, yeah. etc. And they still are able to like call in to work or zoom in to work. Uh, so uh, that's fascinating. So uh, absolutely, yeah. Regarding rural rice, what do you see yourself? Yeah, five years from now in terms of both the organization and the impact? That's an interesting question. Uh, five years from now, I don't know the time is which. Um, again, our message is just to kind of amplify the great things that everyone's doing. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to continue our strong network and to really amplify the message for rural communities, rural organizations, and continue kind of what we're doing, but uh, really putting more effort and time and dollars behind that and really making sure that people do have those resources. And and regarding communities that have challenges like, you know, with coal uh, leaving, that's a, it's a big, you know, uh, hot topic these days. But when communities are kind of going through this evolution, even from farmlands, uh, you know, moving to more kind of urban centers, what resources do you offer for communities that are kind of navigating these challenges, especially, you know, uh, where they had like a local uh, natural resource and mm -hmm. now are having to pivot to a different type of business altogether? Well, that's a totally that that subject can go on for hours. We can chat about that for hours. And I think there's a lot of great organizations that are working in those communities. Appalachian Regional Commission is a good example of people, uh, of an organization that's really working with other, their federal agency, but they're working with nonprofits on the ground, with other agencies on the ground to really kind of change the economic development of those communities. And it's diversity. Again, this is a topic that I can talk on for hours uh, and hours. And it's there's no easy solution. It's another thing that's not an easy solution because it depends on, again, going back to that location, is there broadband? You know, what is available? It's all of those different factors that kind of come up with that. So Again, it's kind of as rural rise, we amplify the message of other people and other organizations. So those are things that we want to amplify other people that are doing great work on the ground. And if people want to uh, register for the conference, they want to follow your work. And I know that it's not just the conference, right? There's a monthly Absolutely. It's a way to join the network itself. Can you talk a little bit about how people can engage with the overall kind of rural rise program itself? Yeah, uh, yeah, we're we're excited about the summit, but again, we want people to really know that you can join us virtually, you know, with the summit. And then every month, we have a monthly speaker series. And what that is, it's a resource. It's a resource that people, we they someone speaks for twenty minutes, and we ask questions. It's very casual. Registration is required. It's free. It's virtual. It has been going on long before COVID started. It was a way for rural communities because we can't all travel like we can't all travel but it's a way for us monthly to kind of get together and we always leave opportunity for people you know like your group or whatever group it may be say hey this is coming up you know join us um so that's a valuable resource for everyone uh, we have had uh network kansas we've had we've had a lot of different resources over the past year 
years for those uh, monthly conferences. So again, if you can't join us, there is a part way to be part of the community. We have newsletters. We try, and if you if you are a great organization out there, or if you're doing work out there, and you want to get a, to get the word out, send it to us at you know connect at ruralrise.org. Our website is www.ruralrise.org. Um, so you can reach out to us at any time. That's also how you can register for the conference. Um, so you know, reach out to us at any time, and we'll be happy to to answer your questions. And we'll put this in the show notes so people can click on the link and be able to register right from the, the show notes. Uh, and I'll just close by first you know, sharing how passionate I am about rural, mainly because I feel like that's where you can move the needle in America. When we talk about like you know moving the needle on wealth creation, mm-hmm. it's places like rural where you can make meaningful impact. And Absolutely. so, yeah, and, and I'm so passionate about it. And I love working with people like you who are actually in the trenches doing the work, <laughs> doing the really hard work. And so anytime we can partner with you, we're always in. We first say yes, and then we'll figure out what we what do you want us to do? Because we just, you know, love how you're all serving. And, you know, we love the opportunity to serve alongside you. And we're looking forward to the conference. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you close by just telling us like one thing, if you had to go back to your early self and tell one thing you would do differently for our practitioners, we ask all of our guests this question. So. You know, what is like an early lesson you learned? And we can use that to kind of close this uh, podcast. Oh, that's a difficult question. <laughs> I only ask difficult questions. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, and this is, I'll do you, I'll give you two. I'll give you one that's personal and one that's organizational. And the one that's personal is like when I first moved to urban, my accent, which you can tell I have a very pronounced accent. Um, I was, you know, I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. I don't like this is this is embarrassing. I don't like this accent, you know. But I realize now, like, it's something to be proud of. Our, our, our sense of place is something that we should be proud of. And that's kind of from a personal and I have deliberately tried not to lose this accent, which I'm not going to because I'm I which live is wonderful, like, yeah. which is I, I love the accent and I can already, when you were speaking, I was like, wow, this accent is going to sound so great on our podcast. So <laughs> what I'll say is what's wrong than this accent. Um, and then as an organization, um, I, that is a difficult question. You know, I think the one very important thing is to talk to the community members that you are working with. So many people come in and say, oh, we've got the solution for you. And really every rural community is different and some of your solution may work, but not all of it. So it's really to listen to the people on the ground because they know those ins and outs and what's going to work and what's not going to work. And, you know, there is in some rural communities, this idea that people have came in for years and said, okay, you're going to do it this way and it doesn't work. So my piece of advice and things we should have done differently is listen to those people and say, okay, well, this isn't going to work. You're correct. Let's try it from a different angle. Let's build that trust up. Let's do this program instead and, and build from that. That's, that's amazing advice. I think I might've heard something similar from Victor when he oh. talks about you know going into communities and that trust is built over a decade, yeah. <laughs> that you don't just show up and say, okay, I've got all the ideas. Yeah, I have the answers. <laughs> yes, I think he mentioned something very similar around you know how community building works is that you got to first get the trust of the community, and that is not just showing up. You got to show up over and over and over again, and they got to be able to trust you. So I love that. Yeah, so essential. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to be at the conference in September, and we'd love to have you back at some point. Maybe we'll do you and Joe together oh, at some point. So, But thank you, David, and thank you for everything you and your group do, that you do for us and your support. We really do appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Right, thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Breaking Down Barriers, a podcast about entrepreneurship-led economic development. Special thanks to our renowned guests for joining us. You can find show notes, more episodes, send us ideas, and subscribe to our newsletter on our website, economicimpactcatalyst.com. Breaking Down Barriers is a presentation of Economic Impact Catalyst and is edited by Lauren Bernard. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Breaking Down Barriers, available for free wherever you listen to your podcasts.